Why don't you go ahead and walk, walk down these stairs? Y'all watch right now. Is there an escalator? <laughs> Thanks, Trish. If you got your Bibles this morning, lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. Now stop for a second. You believe that? Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys sound great this morning. Good to see everybody. Hi, Danny. Good to see you. It is a... You know, I look so forward every week to coming in and seeing you guys. I really do. I get excited. And and I was going to start a new series today, but last Sunday after church, I had someone come up to me. And, you know, we've been talking about being toxic and, and how unforgiveness can make us toxic. And, and last week, um, someone walked up to me after service. They said, you know, Pastor, I, I was writing down people that I needed to forgive, and I've been able to do that. But there's one person I'm having a really hard time forgiving. I said, well, who is it? He said, it's myself. You know, and he made this comment. He said, you know, Pastor, it's been easier for me to forgive other people that have hurt me than it is for me to forgive myself for some of the things that I've done. And I want to tell you, this week, as I began to work on the new message, (laughs) it was like I wasn't going anywhere, and I realized that God wanted me to do one more week on forgiving. But this time, we're going to talk about forgiving ourselves. Because I want you to understand something very clearly today. You not forgiving someone else is the same as you not forgiving yourself. But that's hard, isn't it? How many of you would say that you're harder on yourself than you are on anybody else? That's most of us, isn't it? Especially successful people. I mean, you tend to be really driven. And the standards you set for yourself, you don't set for anybody else. And you push yourself harder. But the problem is also, you can take it too far. And there's some examples in the Bible today that we're going to go over that are going to help you see that. But you need to understand clearly, and I want to say this up front. Some of you are going to leave different today because some of you have come in here and you haven't forgiven yourself for some of the things you've done in your past. You've forgiven others. But somehow in the back of your mind you've said, I can't forgive me. I know what I've done. I know what I've done. I know what I've thought. And I might be able to forgive somebody else, but I can't forgive myself. And I want you to understand, you're going to have to do that if you're going to be the person that God's called you to be. And I'm going to show you today what God's Word says about that. Amen. Psalm 103 says this. We learned this last week. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities. You know, God's Word is very clear that when we come to Him, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, He forgives not some of our iniquities, but all of them. You know, God doesn't sit down and have this list of, oh, except for that. You know, I can forgive everything except for that. Oh, they're a Pittsburgh Steeler fan? I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, God doesn't do those kind of things. When He forgives all of our iniquities, I'm not saying that's not sin. I'm just saying. Uh, But, you know... He forgives all of our iniquities, all of them, including our sin and our unforgiveness towards ourselves. 
And, and so we need to clearly understand that that's what this is talking about. But I want to talk about a guy in the Bible. You guys have maybe heard about him, the Apostle Peter. He was Jesus' right-hand guy. You know, Jesus had three guys that were the closest to him of the disciples, James, John, and Peter. And Peter was the closest. I mean, Peter was Jesus' right-hand guy. And as he got ready, as Jesus got ready to go to the cross, Peter made, made a statement that said, You know what, Jesus? I will never, ever leave you. I will not forsake you. I will be here till the end no matter what happens. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, today you're going to deny me three times. And then cock's going to crow. Rooster's going to crow. Peter's like, That ain't going to happen. I'll go anywhere. I'll die. You know, I, I'm there, Jesus. I'm there. But here's what the story says. Look in your notes. Matthew 26, or it's up on the screen. Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. They'd arrested Jesus, and he was in there with some of the religious leaders, and they were starting his trial. So Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied, that, but not denied before all of them, and he said, I don't know what you're talking about. When he had gone out of the gateway, another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. And he said, I do not know the man. A little later the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for even the way you talk, your accent gives you away. Then Peter began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, Before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. I want you to imagine that you're Peter. And you just haven't said, Hey God, I'll be around like we would because, you know, we don't see Jesus in the flesh. He was right there talking to Jesus face to face. said, I'll never deny you. I'm there. To Jesus. And just as Jesus had said, he did this. He he denied him three times. Can you imagine the guilt that Peter carried? And if that wasn't bad enough, now Jesus rises again. He's back. Jesus is alive. And Peter is living with the fact that he denied him. When he needed him the most, he walked away. Do you think maybe... Peter might have had a hard time forgiving himself. Because it's bad enough to hurt somebody else. But what if you hurt God to his face? That's exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. Matthew 26, 33 says this. But Peter said to Jesus, even though everybody else may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And now he's having to eat those words. And then what about the Apostle Paul or Saul? You know, here, here's Saul out killing Christians. I mean, he's not just, you know, going against God's will here. I mean, he's actually going out. He's thinking he's doing God a favor. And he's going to all these Christians. And he's actually having them killed. And then we sing that song, that old hymn. Maybe y'all have heard it. I saw the light. I saw the light. Well, Peter's on the road to Damascus, and he literally sees the light that blinds him, and he realizes it's Jesus talking to him. Imagine the revelation. And Jesus actually said, you know, Paul said, who are you? And Jesus said, I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. 
So all of a sudden, this revelation comes to this guy. I think I'm doing God a favor. I'm out killing people for him, and now he shows up, and it's God. I've been killing his Christians. Kind of similar to what's happened to Peter, huh? Imagine that. Coming face to face with your own sin and the guilt and the condemnation that would have to come with that. And yet he dealt with it. Both of these men, now listen to me, both of these men discovered the secret to overcoming failure and sin. They understood and accepted God's forgiveness. And they chose to live in the richness of his undeserved grace. We sing about amazing grace. We sing about forgiveness. But these guys lived it and we need to live it too because it's no different for us than it was for them. But they had to forgive themselves. They had to receive it because if anybody deserved not to receive it, it was them. And yet they were able to receive the forgiveness that Jesus gave them. Psalm 103, 10 through 12 says this. He has not dealt with us. God has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression or our sin from us. Those of us who have by faith received Jesus and have become redeemed, become part of the body of Christ, the truth is, you need to understand this today. Not forgiving yourself is just as detrimental as not forgiving somebody else. There's no difference. You have got to forgive yourself for some of the things that you've done. And so here's the problem. The devil will beat you up all day long about this stuff. Do you not think that the devil, you know, we're sitting here reading that God says he'll remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. You know, he doesn't remember them anymore. He chooses not to remember them anymore. But guess who does remember them? The devil. And he's going to bring them up to you every chance you got. What do you mean you're going to be an usher in church? You know what you did today. What makes you think you're good enough to serve in God's kingdom and be a teacher? What makes you think you should even walk in the door of the church? If these people knew who you really were, I mean, come on, fill in the blanks with me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And the Bible tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That if we'll receive that, all of that's gone. It's, but the devil's going to try to remind you of it every single second. And don't think that Peter and Paul and King David, who we talked about the other day because of some of the things he did, didn't have to deal with their sin. But they learned to receive the forgiveness of God and become the people that God called them to be. And it's no different for you. You have to receive this grace that you can't earn. But what are some signs, and I want to help you guys today maybe identify, what are some signs that you may have not forgiven yourself? Let's look at a couple of these things today. Look at the first one on your notes there. The first sign of unforgiveness toward yourself is self-punishment. Self-punishment. We feel like we need to spank ourselves and put ourselves in timeout. Is that cleared up a little bit? I mean, that's kind of what we feel. We feel like, you know what? I don't deserve to be forgiven. I deserve what I get, so therefore I'm going to punish myself. And I want you to understand something today. Jesus had already paid the price for your punishment. That's this amazing thing about this grace. And you can't add anything to it. 
You punishing yourself doesn't make God feel any better about you because you could never punish yourself enough. And even beyond that, Jesus has already paid for it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been to a restaurant or a meal where somebody paid your meal for you? Anybody ever had that happen before? Let me ask you a question. Would it make sense for you to say, you go up to pay and the cashier says, well, well, somebody's already bought your meal for you. But what if you said, you know what, I, I feel so guilty that they bought my meal. Can I just pay for it again? <laughs> Have any of you ever done that? That's crazy, isn't it? Why? Because the bill's already been paid. The debt has been satisfied. And for you to pay it makes no sense at all. And yet we do that spiritually all the time. God's paid the debt, we've received the forgiveness, but we act like we're not forgiven. And that's nuts. But let me take it a step further, and I know this is God for somebody because I didn't use this illustration first service, and I've never even thought of it before. So this is for somebody. What some of you do is that the bill was paid yesterday, and you go back every day trying to pay it. And, and 10 years later, you're trying to pay for a meal that God paid for a long time ago. And every time you go back to the cashier, you relive it. And that is condemnation. And that's wrong. And you need to realize that God's paid the bill. You just need to receive the blessing. And it's not because you deserve it. It's because he loves you that much. And you need to receive that. And you can't punish yourself enough. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. He paid the bill. It's a gift. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we do. So none of us can boast about it. You can't earn salvation. You can only receive it. And you punishing yourself isn't going to pay for it. Let's look at the next sign of unforgiveness toward yourself. Avoidance. Avoidance. In other words, not dealing with it. Many of us are experts at that. Something's going on in our life, but we're not going to deal with it. You know, we're not going to deal with it. It's like, I know this has gone on, but if I act like it's not there, maybe it'll go away. Right? Doesn't work that way. And if you've got unforgiveness toward yourself, it's there all the time. Psalm 32, 3-4 says this, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. You know, when we leave sin unconfessed in our life, including sin against ourselves, still sin, will waste away. And there's not enough things you can do to avoid dealing with this. You have to deal with it. Here's another reason that we can have unforgiveness towards ourselves, maybe a symptom that you might have. Unworthiness. We feel really unworthy. And listen to me. If Satan can get you to feel undeserving because of what you've done, because of your past, he has you exactly where he wants you, paralyzed. Exactly where he wants you. Because, see, grace is undeserved. It's free. That's the awesome thing about it. It's free. But if the devil can convince you that you're not worthy of it, you'll be immobile. 
well, God, I can't do this because I'm not worthy of what you've done. And therefore, I'm going to sit here and do nothing. And that's wrong. Acts 10 verse 15 says this, But the voice spoke again, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And this is where uh, the Lord was talking to one of the disciples about food. And he was talking about if God says something's okay, it's okay. And it's the same way with your life. If Jesus says you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Whether you feel unworthy or not. If somebody paid your meal for you, whether you feel like you deserved it or not, is not the important thing. The important thing is realizing that God thought you were worthy. And it's not because you're awesome, and some of you are pretty cool. It's because he loves you, and he makes you worthy. But here's the big one. Here's the big one. A sign of not forgiving yourself, and one of the reasons we don't do it is because of unbelief unbelief and here's what it is we place our feelings and our human reasoning above the truth of God's word I'm going to say that again we place our feelings and our minds our reasoning above the truth of God's word scripture says that Jesus bore the penalty for our transgressions that Jesus completely paid it all and yet in our minds, we can't justify it. It doesn't make sense to us. And so we don't believe what God's word says. The reason we don't tithe is because we don't believe. The reason we don't forgive is because we don't believe. We don't do things in life of what God says because we don't believe what God says. But let me give you a newsflash. God's word is truth whether you believe it or not. God's word is truth. Whether you believe it or not, let me give you an example. How many of you believe in gravity? Heard of it? <laughs> okay, gravity. If right now you went out and stood on the top of the church, 30 feet, 40 feet, however tall it is, and, and you said, Pastor, I've decided that I don't believe in the law of gravity. Therefore, since I don't believe in the law of gravity... I'm going to jump off this building. And by the way, just to prove that I can do it, I've tied a towel around my neck, so I'm a superhero now. That's a joke, in case you're wondering. And if you went out there and you said, I've decided I don't believe in the law of gravity, and you jump off the building, what's going to happen? The law of gravity will go into effect. And about halfway down, you realize I've made a mistake. <laughs> and thankfully, we have some first responders here, and they can probably help you. But just because you don't believe the law of gravity is true doesn't make it any less true, does it? And God's word is true whether you believe it or not. And so when God says something, it's true whether you believe it or not. But as we grow closer to him, we need to realize that we've got to believe his word. And if we'll believe his word and begin to enact on it, then we'll see God move. But many of us don't do that because we don't believe. Listen to this, Romans 3, 23 through 26. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall, fall short of God's glorious standard, all of us. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shed his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish 
those who had sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. But when we hold on to sin in our lives, when we hold on to unforgiveness towards ourselves or other people, what we're saying is, no God, my sin needs more punishment. No God, what Jesus did was not enough for me. Think about that for a minute. When you're not willing to forgive somebody else, or more importantly, to forgive yourself, this is literally what you're saying to God. My sin is too great for Jesus to forgive it. God, it wasn't enough what Jesus did. There's no way that can be true. The Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world includes you and there is no sin too great whether towards somebody else or towards yourself but you have to forgive yourself too I mean can you imagine standing before God and saying God I'm sorry what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough for me I'm just too big of a sinner I know what David did was bad King David and I know what Peter did was bad and I know what Paul did was bad and I know what everybody else has done is bad but I'm just that special Really? And you may feel like you're doing God a favor by saying you're not good enough, but what you're doing is slapping him in the face. And you're saying, God, it's not enough. And that's not true. It's not true. Your sin is not greater than his mercy and his sacrifice and his love. Listen to this, John Chapter 19, verse 30 says this, Jesus hanging on the cross. Listen, therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This class we're offering, telos, is about, that's what the Greek word means, it is finished. It is complete. Everything that's necessary has been done. Jesus' sacrifice was totally enough to cover our sin. And I'm specifically speaking to the people today that have forgiven others but can't forgive themselves. That's the awesome thing about grace. And you want to talk about being thankful to God when you've learned to forgive yourself and you realize that Jesus' sacrifice is enough, that's when you get to be truly free. See, Peter got that. He came to be the father of the church, you know. He, Jesus built the stone. I mean, he was the cornerstone. But you know what? A huge part of that for him was realizing and forgiving himself and accepting God's forgiveness and grace. Paul became the greatest church planner in history up to this point. Wrote most of the New Testament. But he had to forgive himself and receive the same grace that he talked to everybody else about. And it's the same for you, friend. It's the exact same thing for you. So here's the question today, and I'm going to close. How do I forgive myself? I mean, you realize you need to do it, but how do you do it? The first thing you have to do, look at number one on your notes. The first thing you have to do is acknowledge. The first thing you have to do is acknowledge it. The first step is to recognize that you have not forgiven yourself. For those of you that are living that way, you've got to realize you haven't done it. Face up to the fact and deal with it. Suck it up, buttercup. 
But you got to admit it. The second thing is you have to repent, which means to turn away from. Don't do it anymore. Tell the Lord that you realize your self-condemnation is a sin. Realize that you're sinning against yourself and against God. And then accept him and thank him for his forgiveness. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in a few minutes to do that here today. The third thing is you have to believe God. You have to believe God. Place your trust in the truth of Scripture as opposed to how you feel. Let me give you an example here because I really like this example. How many of you have ever been to the doctor and told the doctor what you thought he needed to do for you? Come on. Be honest right now. You smart people that know everything, raise your hand. Thank you. Look at y'all. I love the honesty of, of all these people in the room. But you literally go to the doctor and you walk into this doctor who's had 8, 10, 12 years of training, school, has been in all this different stuff, is, is an expert. I mean, this person may have been doing this for 20, 25 years. And you, all you know is that you watched something on HGTV the other day. And you read a book. And you saw Google. And you walk into this doctor and you say, hey, doc, I'm not feeling good. I've come in there to help you with me today. And so then you commence to telling the doctor everything that the doctor needs to do for you. There's a couple of y'all going, that's absolutely right, Pastor. That's exactly what I do. And I pay them for me to tell them what they need to do for me. <laughs> that's crazy. Because you're not an expert. Now, I know doctors can make mistakes and all that, and I'm not, that's not my point. But you understand what I'm saying. In other words, you're going to the expert. That would be like me walking into the Greek class on Wednesday night and trying to tell Dr. Riddle, how to teach the Greek class. I can't even pronounce 95% of those words. I mean, there are people that God has set up as experts, and yet for those of us that feel like we don't really want to believe what God said, I think I'd rather tell God what I think he needs to know. That's very nice of you. You need to believe what God says. And if God says it in his word, then that's the truth. And if God says, if you do this and he'll forgive you, then you need to receive that. And you trying to explain God what he needs to do in your life is ridiculous. And here's the other problem. And I didn't talk about this first service either, but this is for somebody else. Some of y'all are so stinking smart that you have to figure everything out. You can't figure out grace. You can't figure it out. You're not going to. Just accept it. It's like the, somebody paying your meal. Well, I don't know why they paid me a meal. I can't figure that out. What have I ever done to them? I don't even know who they are. I mean, you go over all these things. Why did they do that for me? I wonder if I did. I wonder if I hurt them in a past life. I mean, you got all these crazy things going on in your mind, and you're trying to figure out why they paid your meal instead of just receiving it. Be like me. Be simple. God loves you. Accept it. Not because you're awesome. Accept it. He knows everything about you. And he loves you anyway. Accept it. Receive it. Receive that. He paid a price that you could never pay to give you a freedom that you could never have. And you know, when you look around at the world right now, it's kind of getting to be a scary place, isn't it? 
You know, in the last five years, it's hard for me to even believe how our world has changed in the last five years, how our country is changing. You know, and a lot of times as people, we feel like things are always going to be the way they are, don't we? And we don't realize the world is changing around us. Guys, guess what? The Bible's true. Jesus is coming back. But before he comes back, it's going to get pretty bad. And guess what? It's getting pretty bad. We may not have tomorrow. We may not have a year from now. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to be honest with you. And we need to get past this stuff. And here's the deal. The devil can't steal your salvation, but he can make you miserable and ineffective. But if you'll begin to receive what God's done for you and receive that forgiveness and that grace, and you can just look at the devil and say, dude, you need to leave me alone. I'm a forgiven child of God, and it's not because I'm awesome. It's because he is, and I'm just going to receive that. So get to stepping, stepper. And the Bible tells us that when we say that, it doesn't say that exactly. But it does say that. And when I say, look, I'm a child of the king. I don't deserve his forgiveness, but he gave it to me because he loves me. And you have no place here. So in the name of the lamb and the blood of Jesus, get, get out of here. And he'll, he'll be gone. Because nothing can resist that. And just like Doug, when you pray for people, God's still healing people. And God's still doing miracles. And this world is dark, but guess what, baby? When the, it gets dark outside, lights shine really, really well. And right now the world needs to see Jesus, and it needs to see light. And the way that happens is through you. And you need to be loving people. And you need to be pointing people to the cross. Because it's going to be over with one of these days. And it's coming. And people need to see the love of God in us. Because this life is but a vapor, guys. But eternity is a long time. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to go to eternity. And I'm going to have root beer floats, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> right? I don't know if there's root beer floats, but I hope so. Here's number four. Choose forgiveness. You know you can tell God you don't want to receive it. You can argue with him paying your bill. And if you do that, you won't receive it. But you need to just receive it. It's a gift. I mean, how many of you love Christmas? Let me see your hand. Come on. How many of you love getting gifts? Everybody raise your hand if you like getting gifts. How many of you don't like Christmas and hate getting gifts? Raise your hand. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> we all like that, don't we? But imagine going downstairs Christmas morning, and you go downstairs, and there's a Christmas, Christmas tree, and there's a big old Christmas gift right there, and it's got your name on it, and it's, I mean, it's awesome. You don't even know what it is, and you want it. But what if you said, you know, you know, you know, I, I know it's got my name on it. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve it. You know why I think so many times Jesus said have the faith of a child? Because they'll be tearing that box open, baby, before you can turn around. I want it. I'll take his too. <laughs> right? But that faith, this is your gift. I want it. Did that child do anything to deserve that Christmas gift? No. He gets a gift because he's part of the family. And guess what? Forgiveness is for you. I don't deserve it. No, you don't. But it's free. And he loves you. Then he loves you. And you can't earn it. But you can receive it. And it's free. 
and it's for forever. The world needs to hear this. That God loves them. And he's got this free gift of forgiveness. Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to set the captive free. He doesn't say, if you're good enough. (laughs) He said, if you receive it, that's the good news. You have to receive it. Last story. And then I'll let y'all go eat because I know y'all are hungry. When I was a kid growing up, I don't know how, 10, 11, 12 years old. We, we were out, I, my dad, when he was in college, one of his friends, it was really, I called him Uncle Mike. I thought he was my uncle. I didn't know two years later he wasn't. He was a professional roper, professional cowboy. And he also trained roping horses. And so we were down in Huntsville, and, and he was out there training horses. And they, they put me on the back of this professional roping horse, 10, 11, 12 years old, um, named Balpeen. I'll tell you why he's named Balpeen later. They put me on this horse, and I don't know if you've ever been on a high-quality, serious horse. It's very much like getting into a sports car. It shakes. You know there's horsepower. Not because it's a horse, but I mean, you know. But, I mean, this horse was, I mean, he literally was shaking. And I looked out, and there were a bunch of calves out in the arena. Well, for whatever reason, my sitting on his back went, go as fast as you absolutely can. And so he took off. Me being the awesome horseman I was at 10, 11, 12 years old, I didn't scream, but I did grab the saddle, horn, and nothing else. And that horse took off, and he went all the way around that arena, all the way back to the starting place where we were, which was all, I mean, it, was, it felt like forever, and stopped. It's a miracle I didn't fall off or hit the fence or something else, but stopped. And when we got back, I'm just holding on to that horn on that saddle, you can imagine And my dad and my uncle were standing there. Everything in me wanted to get off that horse. There was nothing in me that said this was a great idea. (laughs) I'm just hoping I didn't mess the saddle up at this point. You know what I'm talking about? But I mean, I'm like shook up, right? You know what my dad did because he's a good father? Grab the reins. You control the horse right around the arena. He didn't let me off. Why? Because he knew if I got got off that horse, I would probably never get on another one. And I can tell you, at that point, he was right. And I did. I rode around that arena, controlled that horse, did what I was supposed to do. But I had to face it. I had to face it. And some of you right now feel that way towards yourself. You just want off. Just want off. But God is a good father, and he loves you, and he's saying, you've got to take a lap. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to receive this forgiveness. You've got to face it. You, if, if I let you off, it's going to ruin you. And it may not feel like it. It may feel like the right thing to do, but it's not. And he doesn't want you to destroy your life. He wants you to take another lap. And right now, some of y'all need to forgive yourselves. You've been holding on to this for your whole life. And you don't feel like you deserve God's forgiveness. And you don't. But he loves you. So receive it. Open the gift. So today, you're going to give yourself the most amazing gift you've ever had. You're going to forgive yourself. Today. And you're going to walk out of here different. And you're going to become the person that God's called you to be. Because his grace 
is enough. Amen? So I'll stand up this morning.